Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. This is Daniel Fontaine, and you're listening to For the Record, and we have an amazing podcast for you today because, you know, it's the end of the year, it's December, and it's time for us to look back, and I have an amazing political uh, punditry group. Uh, We're going to talk politics in there, of course, a little partisan, but what would a political punditry uh, be without some partisan stuff going on there? So we're going to have some politicians on the show today. And uh, we're going to be looking back on issues related to both uh, the school board as well as the New Westminster School Board, School District 40, as well as New Westminster City Council. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you three amazing guests who are going to be joining me today. I have, um, I'll start off first with uh, my guest, Paul Minhas. Paul Minhas is a city councillor at the City of New Westminster. Welcome, Paul, to the podcast. Good evening, Daniel. It's great to be on the show. We also have uh, trustee Danielle Connolly, and Danielle has is in her second term as a school trustee at the uh, school district, and so she's been on the school board now for a little over five years. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Danielle. It's her, Dan- Daniel. I like Danielle too. That's fine. In French, it's Danielle. In English, it's Daniel. There so. we go. I, I, yes. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's, it's hard to believe over five years. Uh, it, it's, it's been a good, a good go. Lots to talk about. That's for sure. Thanks for I- having me. As they say, Danielle, when, when time, uh, when you're having fun, time flies. So there you go. And uh, we also have with us uh, another special guest. We have Kathleen Carlson. And Kathleen Carlson, you might recognize her name. She's been on the podcast before, and she also ran for uh, school board in the October election and came so close. So welcome to the podcast, Kathleen. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm happy to be part of this great panel. So we're going to dive right into it because we have a lot of stuff to cover uh, on two podcasts. So we're going to try to keep this moving along really quickly. We're going to cover off a lot of topics that are hyper-local, that are very focused on New Westminster and the issues that have been impacting and making news at both the school district and the city council. I'm going to start off with the school board, with the school district, and I'm going to ask both Kathleen and Danielle to jump in. We are going to start with number 10. What um, what topic or issue uh, do you consider as uh, the number in the number 10 ranking for school board this year? Um, well, I think um, we we can start there. It's, it's really hard to 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 rank all these issues because uh, there's so many really pressing ones in, in our in our district and you know across the province for that matter. Um, but I think that we'll start with our program of choice review that was done um, Recently, within our district, there was um, quite a lot of consultation that included staff, teachers, parents, uh, students, and um, there were some really interesting findings that came out of it. Some of them were, you know, quite easy to address. Uh, things like putting better signage up in the schools for for French students, making you know, in in our in our um, schools with French immersion, making announcement. And, announcements in French, that type of thing, to some that are, are, are going to be uh, recommendations that will, you know, address some of our capacity issues as we move forward, um, and, and just how we can um, 
ensure that the programs that are being delivered are are of you know meeting the the ministry requirements and and certainly meeting the needs of our our students as well. So I I, I don't know Kathleen if you have anything to to add in. Kathleen is a part of our DPAC and she in in the district and she is also very actively involved with the school board and attends a lot of meetings. So so she often has lots to add to this and 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 some great insight. Thank you, Danielle. Yes, it, what else would I do on my Tuesday night? <laughs> um, I believe that the parents are, are were very worried about uh, the programs of choice being moved. And the thought was, how are they gonna get their children from one end of the city to the other? And when would these changes take place? So they were very happy to hear that that's not going to happen for quite some time. Um, and the reason it's not going to happen is because of the capacity issue we are facing. Um, but it, it made a lot of the parents quite happy. They'd like to stay where they are and not have to worry about moving their children through the city. Now I'm going to flip it over to Councillor Paul Minhas. And Paul, um, you and I were talking earlier, we kind of did a little bit of a ranking kind of on the back of a napkin. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that uh, the number 10 story um, that we had ranked was the Patillo Bridge party. We've got to start with a party. We've got to start number 10 big. So Paul, um, why did you think the Patillo Bridge party was number 10? You know, uh, there's uh, so many topics that we can talk about, and they're all very, very important. But I think uh, this is a great one because um, uh, Petula Bridge has been such a big part of so many people uh, in the Lower Mainland. Uh, it's been a huge part of their lives. Uh, it's a way to, uh, that connected the whole Lower Mainland, as well as, you know, it's an iconic bridge uh, that uh, is now not going to be there anymore. So I, uh, what better way to to uh, kind of, you know, um, start the new bridge and then uh, uh, finish it off with uh, a big party with the Petula Bridge? I agree with you, Paul. And I, the reason I ranked it in the top 10 is because, first of all, it's it's a fun story. There's a lot of other stories that we're going to talk about in the next couple of podcasts that perhaps made headlines for all the wrong reasons. But I think this one made headlines for all the right reasons. It was amazing to see the public reaction and the number of emails and Every time I got stopped on the street, people saying, I want to volunteer, I want to be there for the Patello Bridge party. So it really, I think the reason I rank it as one of the top 10 stories in, in the councils, because it did really um, impact and connect with so many people, even beyond New Westminster, to be quite frank. I remember getting calls and, and, and emails from folks who lived out in, I think, Ma Mission, Maple Ridge and around the province who had a connection to the bridge, like you said. So I'm really excited about that party. And let's, uh, you and I, I know I got to keep... Um, keep the, the pressure up and make sure that uh, there actually is a big party being planned, assuming that the uh, the, the new Patillo Bridge uh, opens in 2024. So, so great, great work. I think that's a, an excellent way to start. So Paul, um, I think that was pretty easy for us to pick number 10 in terms of the issues, but now we're going to jump up to number nine. And number nine Paul, this might be a little bit more obscure because probably not a lot of people are aware of this, but there was a motion passed at City Council that we were trying to create something called Team NW. And that was basically a motion asking that we create a, 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 a new S caucus, uh, which would involve the, the school board, uh, council, 
our local member of parliament, uh, our local member of the Legislative Assembly, because heavens knows there's so many things that we need to work together on to advocate. So why did we put this on as number nine? You know, it's uh, it was a great thing that we tried to bring forward. And uh, um, I think it is very important. Uh, all these uh, institutions from the school board uh, to parks, having the council along with the school board trustees and the upper um, uh, MP and as well as the MLA, it's very important to communicate and try to do things that matter to the residents and the citizens of New Westminster. And I think, um, you know, uh, it, it, it should be almost mandatory, according to me. So, Paul, uh, there was another reason we put it on as number nine. And not only is it a good concept, but how many times has the Team NW Caucus met? Let's let's put our minds together and let's see if we can add it up. How many times have we met? Let me think now. Uh, not even once. Uh, not even once. Not even once. I was very surprised. And I'm sure uh, you feel the same way. Uh, but uh, I, I think... Uh, the residents of New Westminster uh, would want us to work together and get things done. That's kind of what I assumed. And I think that's when you and I brought those that motion forward. I think we both kind of assumed that given how many things require all of us to work together at the provincial, federal, municipal level, even the school board level, um, we just thought that, yeah, there's kind of a no-brainer and we haven't met yet on that. And so... Uh, we're moving into 2024. So hopefully sometime, maybe next year, Paul, when we're doing our one-year review next year, we'll have had a meeting. No, Daniel, here we are talking to uh, um, uh, Kathleen Carlson as well as Danielle Conley. Um, whether it's matters of, of, of the school board or, um, you know, the daycare or just in general, so many things that pressing issues uh, that are at hand, I thought this would have been addressed right away. But instead, we haven't even had one meeting yet. So now we're switching over to the school board and we're going to talk a little bit of school board and we're going to talk about issue number nine on the ranking. We're going to find out from Danielle and from Kathleen what they considered as issue number nine at the school district. Over to you guys. Okay, I think that uh, for number nine, we're going to be um, touching on to, again, you'll hear this this term um, frequently, kind of a, probably a, a little sneak preview, not so sneaky, of, of where we're going with, with this list, but uh, addressing the capacity crisis that's, um, that's hit our, our secondary school, New Westminster Secondary School. Um, and as a result, we are having our administrators, uh, they're exploring options to ensure we can accommodate this growth, things like how they can change the schedules around, uh, perhaps make a, a longer day, um, five five blocks instead of four blocks. Um, all these different options are being explored. They did have um, two in-person sessions and a Zoom session as well with parents. Uh, and there's going to be um, more consultation being done in that regard and, and reporting back to to the to the board um, with with you know, what, what they're, they're able to, to come up with to uh, ensure that students in, in the high school are, are being able to um, get the classes that they need to graduate and, you know, learn in, in an environment that's 
you know, meets ministry standards with regards to, you know, the number of kids in each classroom, that type of thing. Um, Kathleen, I don't know. Do you have anything you want well, to add to that? Perhaps before we go to Kathleen, Danielle, oh, just the whole concept of capacity crisis, it just sounds so, um, I mean, it's, the crisis is never great, but it is, if there's probably another term for it, because I, I mean, I've heard it referred to as like the schools are full even before they open, right? Like this is capacity crisis almost kind of almost glosses over the fact that when these schools are built, they basically are full over capacity at the time that they open up their doors. Is that not kind of what you're, you're saying? That is absolutely true, Daniel. Absolutely. That, yeah. That, that, you know, that, that certainly the, the bigger piece to all of this for sure. Um, and, and as we're, you know, moving up our list here, um, we'll, we'll be, delving into it a little bit deeper, but um, yeah, definitely the problem, the problem can be traced back to how, how we build schools in this province right now. And, and how we build schools is to current capacity needs, uh, not future capacity needs. And, and I think that more and more um, we're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, of problems related to that. Um, schools that are, you know, on opening day, especially with the amount of time it takes to, you know, from initiating the discussion with the ministry to actually putting a shovel in the ground, uh, a lot changes over over that amount of time. Um, yeah, I, uh, Kathleen, you you are nodding, and <laughs> I, I see I'm you wanting to, to jump in here. Yeah, I'm in full agreement. And at the last PAC meeting the administration gave a presentation confirming that if nothing happens, we should be able to get th through the next two years. But on the first day of school, of all the, all the students who are registered, they had 216 more than were registered. Wow. So that's a, that's a huge issue in, <laughs> in a school that has 2,300 students and is already at capacity. So like Danielle said, they are looking at options. They have to look at options because there is no space for portables. There is no, <laughs> there was no uh, plans to add a third floor. So yeah, the options are having to, having families have to make choices. Kathleen, I heard there's a really big sale in Surrey of these double-decker portables so maybe <laughs> we could buy we could buy in bulk you know because i heard siri's getting them so you never know you might be able to get a good deal on some double decker portables so and i'm not say, quite sure the, where we'd find the land for that that's <laughs> a whole other that's a whole other discussion i i i can assure you but yes there is very limited land even for double decker portables. so great topic i think that's um that's fantastic <music> Why don't we move up the line with you guys? We'll go back to you guys. And what's your next um, topic in terms of your list uh, to make it to the top 10? I guess that'd be number seven. No, we're at number eight, I oh, believe. Sorry, number eight. I got to get that math correct. <laughs> number eight. Uh, back to school for you, Daniel. <laughs> back to school. Exactly. Thank you, Daniel. Well, I got to go yeah. back to... Exactly. I get my, well, I'm counting backwards here. Give me some, cut me some slack here. Uh, well, you know, again, we're we're... In, in the realm of, of capacity uh, in our in our number um, eight year and uh, we we want to, we're looking at um, the issue of um, two of our schools um, in the district needed more space more classrooms and uh, what that resulted in was a need to move um, daycare spaces 
uh, which have now been, or they're in the process of being uh, moved into portables on two other school sites. Uh, so as you can well imagine, that that caused a lot of concern and, and upset for a lot of families. Um, you know, the, 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 the needs are being addressed in terms of, of what is being delivered, but it's where it's being delivered is, is certainly of, of concern for some parents. Um, and, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's just more of a reflection on what we're facing in, in our district and, and many others in the metro region in particular, uh, when it comes to capacity at our schools and, and you know, where, where districts are, are being forced to make decisions to, to accommodate the, the growth that we're seeing. Kathleen, did you want to jump in on that one too? I, I'll go back to the way new schools are built. <laughs> Yes, there's a theme. Um, the new schools are built with space designated for day daycare spaces, but I believe these spaces only have to be allocated for a couple of years. Danielle, you might know that more, whether it's somewhere between two and five years. It depends on the, the original agreement, and, yeah. and each one has been you know, written a little differently with the, the ministry's input a, a little differently on each one. So, so you can imagine when people move into an area and they realize that a new school is going to be there and this will be great because they're going to have childcare spaces, daycare spaces in their neighborhood. And then to find that the <laughs> daycare spaces are actually now being renovated for classrooms. So now what they had planned and especially if they're relying on transit, um, now they have to move their child across the city. And it's not a big city, but it sure has a lot of traffic. <laughs> oh, it's not a big city, but the, you're right, uh, Kathleen, the impact of moving even just, you know, several blocks can result in huge delays and just getting across um, a major arterial in the city can can produce a lot of headaches when it comes to having to pick up your kids and stuff. So absolutely, I can totally see why you guys put this in as the number eight issue. I got that one right. Just make sure I'm properly counting that down. Paul, um, we're going to switch gears now to city council for number eight on our list. And uh, we have put uh, the issue of Queensboro, just, just Queensboro, you know, it's, it's going to be number 10, but you know, time and time again, you and I have talked about how often Queensboro just ends up on the short end of the stick. It just does not seem to get uh, the attention or the investments that it deserves. And so we're focusing in not just on Queensboro, but we're going to be a little micro on this one. And we're going to talk about the long awaited, the long sought after Ryle Park turf field. So Councilor Minhas, what happened in 2023 when it came to the Ryle Park turf field is it are there kids using it this winter on these soaked rainy wet december days you know uh daniel we brought this motion a few times forward and every time we brought it it got defeated and you're absolutely right about the fact as how queensboro has been neglected uh, for quite some time and uh, we had the opportunity on numerous occasions especially uh when the province gave us some money uh, and we tried to bring forward that motion again, and it got defeated again. But you're absolutely right. Uh, no kids are uh, going to be uh, playing the way they should be playing or uh, having fun in these uh, at the at the route park. 
so uh, you know, um, uh, it, it's a tough one for the people of Queensboro to swallow. No, it absolutely is, and I know we we don't have it on our top ten list, but I'm going to kind of make a little bit of a, a a a liberal kind of interpretation of our list here, and I'm going to throw in on the crime forum that you and I held. Um, which was really interesting, is that on the crime forum, they talked about turf fields. Interestingly, how additional turf fields can reduce crime and improve safety in the community. And and uh, they were talking about it, wherever it's gone in, it kind of has really become this great place where kids can use um, these sport f- uh, turf fields um, literally 365 days a year. And it's um, it's unfortunate that the kids and the community of Queensboro is going to have to wait quite a while before they see a turf field. Councillor Paul Minhas, we're looking now at the countdown. We're rapidly getting to the end of this portion of the countdown and this uh, this podcast, which is part one of a two-part podcast because we're going to be covering off the uh, top five and that will be um, airing at a future date, not too far away. But we're at number seven, and uh, you and I talked about number seven. Where do we, um, what do we want to put at number seven? And number seven just looked like the perfect spot to talk about the Royal City moniker. And the estimated, um, I think it was up to a half a million dollars that will be spent to uh, eradicate and remove any reference of the Royal City brand in the city of New Westminster? Why did you pick that as your number seven? You know, um, uh, even before the elections, a previous council member uh, mentioned something about the word grenade at the last minute. Uh, You know, this is absolutely not necessary. Uh, We have been the Royal City for a very, very long time. And most of the people that have talked to me I uh, do not want to change the Royal City moniker at all. Uh, there is um, uh, huge uh, pushback um, to not change the moniker. Um, and I, I believe it's it's total waste of money. It's not necessary and it shouldn't be moving forward. So that was a big issue, I know, for you and I um, on the doorsteps when we talked to a lot of people. They did mention the Royal City moniker. A lot of them were making up their voting decisions based on that and said that they really felt a connection to the Royal City and didn't want to have it removed. And And this year, I guess, in 2023, looking back, we've begun that process now of, of eventually um, no longer um, having any visual identity with the Royal City. So I can only assume that the decal companies and the folks who remove decals and they're going to be peeling off those crowns off the side of vehicles at some stage and and all the Royal City pens and and all the Royal City stationery, which I love, by the way, it's absolutely quite lovely. Um, all of that is uh, going to be making its way um, into, as they say, it's going the way of the dodo bird. So we're not going to see it anymore, but we will be getting a brand new logo, uh, Councillor Minhas. So I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but I did joke that it likely will have a swoosh and three dots. Uh, placed somewhere really nicely besides the words uh, New Westminster. So I guess we'll have to see. The creative minds, I'm sure, are working at this. And and that new logo, I have no doubt, will be unveiled sometime in 2024. Yes.
Now, moving over back to the school board, uh, school board, uh, uh, Kathleen and Danielle have been busy ranking as well, and they also got to pick a number seven. So uh, over to the two of you, uh, do one of you guys want to weigh in on what you thought was your number seven issue of 2023? What we have is um, the rollout of more new mandated curriculum. Uh, so the most recent rollout was uh, a mandate of Holocaust education to be embedded in grade 10 social studies which is incredible. This is, you know, important work. Um, the, the mandated curriculum prior to that was um, an Indigenous education requirement to graduate. Again, incredibly important, um, high value um, piece to be adding to our curriculum. However, uh, the, problem, the problem lied in Again, the, the lack of adequate funding to, you know, to implement these mandated pieces in a, in a really thoughtful and meaningful way. Um, the, you know, the cost of, of additional resources to, to help teachers facilitate these new requirements fell to districts, fell to their operating budgets. Uh, there was not a mean, meaningful infusion of, of funds put into um, operating um, budgets to to really allow districts uh, to to implement these in in a really um, meaningful way and and you know teachers are working so hard they're doing an incredible job we have teachers in our district who have you know educated themselves immensely to to meet um, this this requirement and have done so admirably and and you know my my children both um, went through uh, with the new indigenous education they'll they'll miss the the mandated holocaust um, in grade 10 social studies but you know we were very fortunate to have teachers who who were able to meet that but uh, we are hearing time and time again and most recently from our our teacher union rep came to the district table and and was talking about how this lack of funding for these implemented curriculum pieces is, is really taking its toll um, in terms of resource teachers being able to to, to meet the needs of teachers um, and, and students, obviously. Um, so tr to, trustee, to meet. yeah, Trustee Conley, I'm, I'm noticing mm -hmm. a theme going on in the last, uh, <laughs> and I don't think it's just me, I'm sure our listeners are noticing a theme of underfunding. It keeps kind of yes. coming up. So great ideas, great initiatives, mm -hmm. just no dollars being followed through to implement exactly that, that is exactly um what a, a common theme is in 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 a lot of our list as well is is it boils down to to funding um bc still uh, consistently ranks as one of the worst uh funded provinces when it comes to public education and it, it, it needs to change if we want to see true, meaningful change in our education systems, in our outcomes, um, it, that, you know, it, it, it comes with with the need for, for funds. And uh, I think that we, we can do better in BC. We need to do better in BC. Our, our students deserve better. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to weigh in? I, I'd like to start by reiterating that both Danielle and myself we're in favor of these meaningful, new meaningful programs and believe many are, and most are. Um, I have spoken to a number of professionals who have all agreed that more education on their part would be so helpful when new mandated curriculum is introduced. 
as you could imagine, it would be so difficult to teach a new program without adequate training. And this absolutely falls on the Ministry of Education and Childcare and their lack of funding for successful rollouts of these programs. I think that's absolutely critical, Kathleen. I think, you know, time and time again, we've seen senior orders of government come in with these great initiatives, and then either they're unfunded or underfunded. And then a lot of the tab is left um, for school districts and cities, quite frankly. But both of us are are effectively um, stuck trying to find out uh, where the dollars are going to come from to make these things happen. So I think great, great. um, Number seven, I think that's fantastic in terms of uh, where you guys have landed. So, so great work. So we're, we're now going to wrap up. Hard to believe, folks, we are at number six. So we're uh, wrapping up this uh, first podcast uh, with our uh, items number six through 10. We've ran through every other one. We're now down to number six. And I'm going to ask uh, Councillor Minhas. We're going to start off with the council on this, on this one. And uh, Paul, you and I were kind of back and forthing on this one as to whether or not it should be in number six or maybe in the top five, but we ended up putting it in number six. And it's we, it's kind of like hard to describe what it is other than all I can say is if you live in Westminster and you really want to go to the paddle wheeler and you want to have those nachos and they're gone, what do you do, right? Like they're gone, like the nachos are gone. And then I heard that Union Jack is closing. Um, you know, so another um, institution in in Uptown and the list goes on and on and on. And I keep seeing businesses closing, businesses shutting down people. I keep hearing things about people's rent is being jacked up and and businesses might be be moving out of the city. Councilor Minas, you are a small business owner. You are on the ground. You are there. You actually have a retail space with the Begbie Tavern. Um what are your thoughts in terms of, I know you obviously, we both agreed this is number six, but what are your thoughts on this this topic? That's a very good question. Uh, it's a very good topic. Uh, um, this is something very close to me. And I've been in the downtown for, for almost 18 years now, um, previously with the Heritage Hill that we lost. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but definitely um, it stems from a multiple uh, multiple of reasons. One of the biggest thing is um, the spaces that are in the downtown core, or even in this case, like the um, the Union Jack uptown, the rents are extremely, extremely high, and there is no um, there's no control over it. Um, it it is very dangerous um, for the small business owners uh, to be signing leases at a very high rate. You have high inflation, high food costs and a lot of other factors that come into play as well. Uh, we constantly cannot find the right staff. Another big challenge. Uh, these challenges are very, very, um, uh, they affect small businesses. And for a long time, uh, the downtown core especially has been a decay for a lot of these small businesses. Um, I've even heard the word, it's a graveyard for small, some of the small businesses. Uh, and something needs to be done about it. Uh, Councilman has I couldn't agree more. We need to be doing everything we can to support small businesses, and we need to make sure that they can thrive in our city because we have a beautiful downtown. We have a great uptown and other commercial districts that all should be vibrant and that all should be 
packed with customers and 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 such. And I know it's it's kind of a little bit off topic, but it's worth re reminding the public that we did bring that motion forward to provide for one hour of free parking as a way of kind of stimulating and getting people downtown and allowing them to come in quickly shop and then take off if they if they didn't want to pay five dollars for whatever parking for the the short period of time that they're there. Unfortunately, that motion got defeated. I can't remember the number again. What was the number that we got defeated by? I think it was. I cannot remember the number either, but I, I'm very sure it was 5-2. I think it was 5-2. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 5-2. That's that's kind of like our theme for this year, kind of jokingly, that that number 5-2-5-2-5-2. It's like, yeah, kind of seems to flow off the tip of your tongue. But yes, thank you, Councillor Manhas. So now we've come down to it. Uh, number six for the school district. And uh, let's find out. Let's uh, wait no longer. Hand it over to my two uh, special guests, Kathleen Carlson, a candidate running for school board, and trustee Daniel Conley. What was your number six? Our number six was the kindergarten gradual entry. And if you have ever had a child um, go through schools uh, and specifically going through um, their their first years in kindergarten, uh, I think everybody can can relate to um, some of the concerns or questions uh, around the gradual entry process. And so that puts it on our number six. Uh, Kathleen, do you want to weigh in on this one? Yes, Danielle. Um, <laughs> I was actually at a school board education policy and planning meeting where there was a presentation given um, that highlighted all the benefits of having such a long gradual entry. And some of those benefits were having the teacher have individual time with the students and having the students giving these wee ones time to learn how a big school works and how to get into a classroom and how to use a washroom that might not be in their classroom. And while parents understand this, I believe, while well, most that I have spoken to are not in support of having it take two to three weeks. They are also not in support of not finding out the days their child will be attending, which means parents are having to use their vacation time for their child's gradual entry. So it's come out many times that, oh, the ideas are out in, in the spring. So this year, parents are going to know by April. Well, parents have never been told the dates. Some parents have found out the dates that their child are, will be in school the Thursday before they're in school on the Monday or Tuesday. And then to find out they're only at that school for 30 minutes. Hmm. So there's been no consistency in the schools and it, it puts such a burden on parents. And you can imagine if parents have more than one child, the extra burden. And I've spoken to many parents who've had more than one child and it has not gotten better through any of the years. So we're hoping that it might get better and that the district is now understanding that parents need to know what day their child will be in school. And they need to know this in the spring because trying to get childcare in this city is a huge challenge. It's akin to winning a lottery. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I think that this, um, shines a light on, on how, when, you know, we work in a, in, in a collaborative way, um, we can, you know, evoke change that, that works for everybody in, in, in a, in a way that's, that's gonna, you know, make things best for students and families in our district. So, you know, hearing from parents um, about the need to know know their dates, um, their timeline sooner, uh, the plan that we have been reported is that um, they will be communicating the process and the schedule sooner in April. Uh, so that's uh, a great piece that's going to be um, coming out of this. And we were told initially that it, um, a group of district staff K to five administrators and kindergarten teachers would be discussing um, feedback from a survey that were going was going to go out to new um, parents of of kindergarten students, and we immediately heard back from from parents um, and and from the DPAC that wait, you know we we might want to lean into the experiences of of families who have actually been through you know lived this experience to 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 see what they can contribute to this discussion. So that is going to be done as well now, uh, which is great. And and the board is is going to be uh, receiving an update on this um, in, in April or May. So hopefully we'll, we'll see some positive changes um, in how we're doing gradual entry um, and, and making it something that's, that works better for, for families and, 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 you know, meets the needs of kids for sure. That's, you know, that's the, that's the priority, but it also has to work for families as well. Yes, it does. Before we wrap up, just a couple of quick things to let our listeners know that, and I forgot to mention it at the outset of the podcast, that this podcast is our own opinions. And we're advised that we're supposed to let everyone know that this is just our opinions and not the opinions of the school board, nor that of city council. If you want to find out the official opinions of city council, please refer to the city council website. If you'd like to find out more about the school district's official opinions, you can check out their website as well. So this is just really us giving you our political opinions and that's why it's so much fun because we just get to talk about what's on our mind and and what we believe before i wrap up this podcast and then uh, wrap this up and then get ready to record our next podcast which is going to be the top five just quickly from the three of my political pundit panel um did you guys struggle at all with any of these did you have more than 10 that you were wanting to put in and then quickly tell me a little bit about how tough it was to rank them because everyone wants to know how did you get this to number six it should be number three this should be number two any thoughts well i'll jump in here daniel there was a lot more than 10 so it was it was difficult to to weed some out um we could do top 50 um so yes it, it was challenging and trying to get the order, what might be more important to one parent or one person in the district could be somebody's number one could be somebody else's number 10. So we're actually quite loose with our numberings because we believe all of these are important. And I, I think that's a really good point, Kathleen. I, I didn't mention it, but I, I think it is worth noting that we all kind of agreed going into this that we kind of had like a bundle of five that was kind of like six to 10. And they were all kind of so close that they could all kind of really just interchange. But the important thing was kind of like, what's our top five and what's our kind of the next ranking of five. And I agree with you. 
there are way more issues than we would we would need about 10 podcasts to cover all the issues that happened at, at uh, new west but what about you paul um danielle what, what are your thoughts did you guys struggle as well in terms of the total number of issues that yet to to make note of i totally agree with uh, uh there um it's it's very hard to decide as to which is number one which is number two uh of course depending on how uh, i mean different things affect people differently so to rank them one, two, three uh, is, is very, very difficult. But uh, all these issues are very important to the people. And uh, I totally agree with Kathleen there. And I, yeah, and, and I think that you'll you'll see as, as you've kind of touched on a few times already, Daniel, that that there's a lot of themes that are are, are quite consistent through through our, our list here as well. So um, I, I think most people listening will will be picking up uh, on that as we go along as well. Well, thanks to all of you for taking the time to record this podcast. And I look forward very much to recording the next podcast with you, which will uh, talk about those top five rankings. And uh, I have a sneak peek of the ranking list from the school district, obviously, and I'm aware of the one from the school, from the city council. And you are not going to want to miss this next podcast because there are some fascinating topics some very uh, in-depth topics and what I like about it is there's actually a lot of topics that kind of overlap between school board and city council there's some that we're going to be able to kind of maybe have a little mini debate on on some of these topics in terms of their impact so thanks again to trustee Daniel Conley who um, uh, is on the school district uh, has been on for like I said uh, over five years now uh, Kathleen Carlson, who is running in the February 3rd by-election. If you haven't already got that date marked in your calendar, February 3rd, that's the day. And there's going to be some advanced polling dates as well. And so Kathleen is running to replace um, the former Community First trustee, um, DBD. And we also want to thank um, Councillor Paul Minhas. Uh, Councillor Paul Minhas is a first-term uh, councillor like myself. And uh, thanks you, Paul, for taking the time out. So without further ado, I'm going to wrap it up and we're going to uh, get ourselves ready for another round of our top five and that'll air uh, very soon. So uh, thanks again for listening in. I'm Daniel Fontaine and you're listening to For the Record. Music.